Thank you, thank you, Pastor Steve. Um, so I think as Pastor Steve has said, um, we pretty much know each other through uh, my husband. Uh, so I first met uh, Pastor Steve, I think when I was the first year of my marriage, which was 14 years ago. Uh, it's quite a long time ago, <laughs> but I met him in London. And indeed through him, I also know his wife, who is uh, very close to my heart. She's one of the sweetest, best people I've ever met. I must say, I, I tend to affectionately call her babes. I've stolen her husband's name for her. So uh, she's very dear to my heart. Um, I have much admiration and love for these two people. Um, they are great people in the Lord. And um, I, I things they don't come to rob they come rather to increase you and make sure that you are established in the lord and that's unique that's unique in these times so i pray you cherish them um today um i'm going to talk uh very briefly and i've entitled this um this exhortation so to speak uh the cost of following jesus um other versions of the bible tend to um highlight this as discipleship tested. I quite like that one. So I'm going to stick with that. Discipleship tested. But before we go into the word of God, let's have a brief prayer before we, we speak on it. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. The This is your word being presented to us, your people. I pray that uh, our eyes are open, our ears are open to accept that which you have for us today that by it seeds will be planted and most importantly fruits will be born out of this even in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen so my key text uh, for today is in Luke 9 verse 57 to 62 and I'm going to try and read initially and then we're going to try and, and sort of draw some salient points from that so I read as they were going along the road someone said to him I will follow you wherever you go and Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But, the, but he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said to him, I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. It's quite some strong, some strong words here, but let's see what the Lord uh, would, 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 ex would expose our eyes to, so to speak. Now, um, as, as a believer, somebody who is in Christ, uh, when you get to this version in the Bible, you could easily skip over it um, because it, it begins by saying, as they were going along the road, someone said to him. So it, it presupposes that these people are not in Christ yet. But what I want to highlight is that the principle of following Christ stands the same, whether before or during. Because the act of following him is a continuous journey. It isn't a, a, a just a one, one thing you do and that's it. It's a continuous journey. So until we meet him in glory, 
we have to keep keeping on in him. It's absolutely important. So from this verse, we're going to try and draw out what it is, what the cost is in following Christ to the end, so to speak. So I first want to outline that in following Christ, there is a cost. Many of us don't like this. Um, when we come into the Lord, um, I, I, I sometimes don't know what picture is painted to us, but I think a lot of time uh, we don't get the right picture. But there is a cost, and that is the truth. It's better to face the truth than a lie. There is a cost in following Christ. There is a sacrifice, so to speak, in following after him. Now, wherever there is a sacrifice or cost, consequently, there's also a reward. There is a reward. In Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3 both, um, the Lord Jesus spoke to seven churches. In all of them, there's a particular phrase that runs through it. He, he, he says several times to these seven churches, or in, in every time he spoke to them, he mentioned the phrase, to him who overcomes. The word, the word overcome means to hold fast, to maintain one's course, to stand victorious. Now, after he said this phrase, he will overcomes. Afterwards, he says, I will. And in the I will, there's a promise, there's a reward after, after when he says, I will. So with, with much assurance, I want us to know that although there is a cost in bearing, bearing the cross or seeking after the Lord, there is also a reward. A reward that is greater than anything that we can attain on this earth. And I think many a times our vision is so short and so temporal, we just look at today. But the reward of God is great. It's great because it's, it's, in, it's internal. It's not, it's not for a lifespan. Many of us, if God wills, will live to 70, might, might live to 100. But that's your life. The rest of your life as a Christian, as a child of God, is spent in eternity. And in that eternity, my husband frequently we laugh about this in the house, but he goes on to say that there's some people who believe in in, um, in Africa we have something called boy squatters. <laughs> so that's a little 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 cup houses, and people will be living in mansions um, because some people have earned rewards that are absolutely staggering. And so I came to encourage every one of us that we also can run the race in order to attain that reward that Christ wants us to. Now, because there is a cost and there is a war as a reward, our commitment to following Christ will be tested, whether we like it or not. It will be tested. It will be trialed at seven, several points of our Christian walk. Why would it be? Because, first of all, what we're surrounded by are physical things. We're surrounded by the world. So though we are in the world, we're not of the world, but we're still in the world. And our eyes are exposed to it. Our, our affections, our emotions are exposed to everything around us. So we'll be affected by the world. And also we have the enemy at hand who is constantly battling with us not to press on in Christ. But I want you to tell yourself today, I will keep keeping on in Christ because you can do it. His grace is upon you and his hand is upon you. And so you can keep keeping on. Hallelujah. In this, in this short uh, time I, I am with you, I'm going to try and draw out from the scripture in Luke chapter 9. Three key costs or three kinds of commitments the Lord requires us, requires of us that would cost us, so to speak. Now, before I dive into that, the key text that I've just read, there's a couple of phrases or words that sort of repeat themselves. And I'm going to try and break them down so that it all comes together. Otherwise, we'll probably not know where we are, we are heading. So the first word is follow. 
the first word is follow. It repeats itself three times in the text. And the follow is the emphasis on following Christ. Now, the word follow is to continue with to the end. It means to follow behind or intently after. It means to follow close up, side by side. It means to accompany. It means to conform to. It means following with your intention or practicing after the person. So this speaks of fellowship, doesn't it? It speaks of our fellowship in faith with the Lord. It speaks of cleaving to him in, in trust and obedience. It speaks of us uh, going by his leading and acting in accordance with, with the way that he wants us to, so that we bear his image. We bear his image. John 10 verse 27 says that my sheep will hear my voice. And if you hear his voice, then you will follow him. This also speaks of fellowship of life. It speaks of sharing in his glory and his sufferings. Romans 8 verse 18 declares that I reckon that the present sufferings of our present time cannot be compared to our glory. So we're back again to that cost and we're back again to that reward. The present sufferings that we have in Christ, sharing our life with him and bearing his burdens as well, we would inevitably bear his glory as well. Hallelujah. That gives me great joy. It make it does make make you not look at what you're going through as a Christian, but rather it makes you look to the glory. And by the time we finish this, we would get a couple of things that uh, that point to that as well. The second phrase I want to touch on, that the concept of fellowship is, is, a, is a sermon, I believe, that can be preached for a year. There's a lot about fellowship, but I, I don't want to dwell too much on that. So I'm going, to, I'm going to stop at those two bits, fellowship of faith and fellowship of life. The next phrase I want to talk about is I will, I will. So the will that I'm spoke, uh, spoken about in this is the people that Christ either asked them to follow him or they said to him, I will follow you. Now, the word I will, if you look at it carefully, is coming from the person who is accepting. It's not something that the Lord is telling them to do. So following the Lord is not an act that is imposed upon by the Lord. It is, it is a matter of choice. It's a matter of preference. So I can decide to do something for God it is a choice. He doesn't push us to do anything, unlike the enemy who re sort of forces us to do things or try to impose things on mostly the unbeliever, not the believer, I must say. So that I will speak of a matter of choice and a matter of preference. Hebrews 11 verse 24 to 26 says that by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment if you have your Bible on you and you can highlight your Bible, nowadays we have electronic Bibles, I just want you to capture that face. So it says that Moses chose. He chose rather. So there's a choice there, isn't there? And the next face says that he chose to endure ill treatment. So he chose to go under hardship with the people of God rather than the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward, hallelujah. Highlight looking to the reward as well. So Moses made a choice. Remember that Moses was in the house of Pharaoh. He, he had absolutely everything. There's nothing he didn't have. He had the best teachers. He had the best food. He had the best, he had luxury, so to speak. But Bible says that he chose to leave the house of Pharaoh and endure ill treatment with the people of God because he considered, he considered greater riches um, in the Lord rather than, in sin or in the world, so to speak. 
Hallelujah. So once we capture those two phrases, I want us to go back into the text now and we're going to draw out um, three instances. And I would like to refer to these people that came across God as dudes. The Americans use the word dudes a lot. So I'm going to try and use that. So, <laughs> so the first dude, let's try and capture that what the first dude did with uh, said uh, the conversation had between uh, them and the Lord. So the first one said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The first cost I want to highlight to us today is to follow Christ is a lifetime commitment. It's not a decision you made as a one-off and that is it. It is a lifetime commitment. The key phrase in that first portion is wherever you go. It screams loyalty, doesn't it? It is a vow of loyalty. It says, wherever you go. The first time I came across this scripture, the person that came to my mind was Ruth. Ruth. Ruth 1 verse 16 to 17. It says that Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Forever, wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Now, these were Ruth's voice to her mother-in-law, uh, Naomi. Now, just a, just a quick background about the story, and you can capture that in the first chapter of Ruth. So Ruth was a Moabite. Um, she married um, Emelech, I believe, uh, one of Emelech's sons. Um, and in the process, uh, Emelech and Naomi moved um, from uh, Judah, and they went to Moab because there was a farming in Judah. So they moved down um, it, amongst the Moabites and, and hoped to dwell there. Now, whilst they were there, Naomi lost her husband. And with time after uh, Ruth and her sister-in-law got married to the sons of Naomi, they also, they also died for some reason. So in the time they spent in, 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 in Moab, uh, they lost, Naomi lost her husband. She lost two sons-in-law and were left with two daughter-in-laws so to speak so Ruth was one of them now it's interesting to see that in the land of Moab there was nothing there in fact there was a lot of loss there for them so Ruth lost her husband now in the time they spent in the land of Moab they spent 10 years there according to scripture in that 10 years Ruth didn't have any children and children stands for fruitfulness so in her time of being in the land of Moab all of them had no sense or no source of fruitfulness. They lost everything. Now, it's important that we can apply this principle to ourselves, okay? So when we, we came into Christ, where we were in the world, there was nothing there for us. There was no fruitfulness. There was, there was nothing for us to gain. There was deadness. But in Christ, we came into life. So we can, we can sort of use the scenario of Ruth for ourselves. So in, in the world, we have nothing. But in Christ, we have life. So we can apply the scripture as Ruth told Naomi to ourselves. So she said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. We can read this backwards to suit ourselves, in fact, because it's the truth. So the import of what she was telling Naomi was that I will abide with you. We abide with Christ. She was also telling Naomi, I'll be part of your nation. We are part of a royal priesthood in Christ. 
for we have left the world and we're now in Christ Jesus. She said, I will serve where you serve. So you're going to be my people. We are a people of God. And it says where your end is, there my end will also be. We are following Christ to the very end, into eternity, for he is our God. So the promise that Ruth gave to Naomi here is applicable to us as we have chosen to follow Christ. Now, this particular dude in question, let's see the response that God gave, Jesus gave him. Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to go. You, you wouldn't think that Jesus will answer this question, but I, I truly think what happened is that Jesus read the mindset of this man. His concept of following God wherever he went was not what Christ wanted him to do. Now, remember that the word is a designer of our thoughts and the intents of our hearts. So Jesus read through the mind. He probably was saying that, okay, Jesus, in all the great things that you're doing here on earth, I am surely with you. And because you are in greatness, I am also in greatness. But Jesus didn't, didn't mean that. He said in the word that foxes have what? Holes and birds have nests. These are earthly dwellings. These are shelters that are off the earth. These are hiding and storage places. He's telling the man that, okay, you want to follow me, but your concept of following me isn't about hoarding things in this world. It isn't, it isn't about taking rest in this world. Where my rest is, isn't in this world. And so, as the scriptures say, where your treasures are, is there your heart to be. Jesus is trying to say, my treasures are not here. They are upwards. So I am trying to redefine you're wherever you will go to me. I want to redefine that. And the reason why I brought up Ruth is that wherever you go, in the eyesight of Ruth, going backwards, is what Christ wants us to do. He wants us to abide continually with him. He wants us to be truly part of the nation that he, ha he has called us into. He wants us to serve him with our everything. And he needs us to follow him even to the bitter end. No matter what we go through, he requires us to follow him. I want you to declare to yourself today, Lord, I declare that I am forever committed to you even until the end. So help me God. Amen. First commitment to follow is a lifetime commitment. Now let's go to the second dude. And he said to another, follow me. This time Jesus was telling the man to follow him. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. This is a powerful statement. Cost number two to us as Christians. It is a commitment that must come before all other things. It's a commitment of priority, so to speak. Now, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. This scripture, as soon as I read it, I said, the Lord probably had an African man in mind. Now, before an African man goes to bury his father and takes care of everything that is back home, his own death will be looming. And so it means that this particularly, this man was supposed to wait to bury his own father, then he certainly would not follow the Lord. But more importantly, the Jews buried their own people the same day. And so it was almost like an excuse, so to speak. Now, let me just clarify, the Lord is not necessarily asking us to forsake our duties. This is an honorable duty. All the man is saying is that I have to bury my father. It is, he's not asking us to 
leave our honorable duties of this earth. No, the Lord wouldn't do that. But I just want you to observe something. He says, the man said, permit me first. He used the word first, first, okay? Permit me first. So if we are to make the Lord secondary in our lives, then everything else will come. Then he, if we make everything, if we make the Lord secondary, then everything in our lives will come first. And that's that's very important. There would always be something that can stand before you and your fellowship with the Lord or you're following the Lord. There would always be something. When I first... Um, became a Pentecostal, this was ages and ages, well, not ages ago, but approximately 14 years ago when I met my husband, 15 years ago, I used to be a Catholic. Now, I lived with my parents then because I hadn't, I wasn't married, but I was courting uh, my husband. Now, um, the, as we are Pentecostal, we're very serious about church, aren't we? We are really, uh, and we have so many meetings during the week as well. So typically on a Sunday, uh, when I came, uh, I was in England, the only church that I knew of that I could go to was was quite quite far from my home so I needed to travel at least an hour and a half on a bus uh, and trains were not really accessible to that particular town now I used to wake up every Sunday morning and I wear my clothes and my mom would come to me and said um I'm affectionately called Madi that's that's my house name said Madi you have to cook you have to do this and you have to do that I said yes mama I've heard you but I have to go to church so I made a compromise I woke up at 4 a.m I cooked for the family at 6 a.m., I, I would run for the bus, take the bus, and go to church. I, I made it clear to her. I said, Mom, nothing is going to hinder me from fellowshipping with God. Whatever it is you want me to do, write the list for me, leave it on the fridge, and I'll make sure it's done. And the family will be fed. As you want me to cook for everybody, I'll do that. But for me to forsake the gathering of the saints, I won't do that. Now, that is my example. You might have other examples that are presented before you. May we put God first in everything that we do. If you make an excuse not to fellowship with him, it's not just about church. Fellowship is a constant, it's a daily affair. If you make excuses, if you put him secondary, there would always be something else that comes up that takes his place. The man said, let me first bury my father. And let's see Jesus' response. He says, let the dead bury the dead. We can read another way. We can read it as allow those who are dead because in Christ we have love, life. Without Christ, you are dead. So you can read it as allow the dead who are spiritually dead to seek the things after the world, which are dead things. And those of us that are alive in him, God said we should do what? We should go, proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Well, the, this, these actions are the things of the spirit. These things are the things that concern the Lord. I really like your theme for this year. It says making Christ known. Your year's theme is, is absolutely spot on. Now let's see the actions that Jesus is asking us to do, to go for. The first one is go. Go is a command. It's not, it's not an option. It says go. The second one, it says proclaim, speak about me. Tell the good news to other people around you. And he says go everywhere. Now, I must say that if you can't begin telling people about Christ in your immediate surroundings, you have a problem. If I can't speak to God, uh, to people about God in Redden, there is no way I can go to Heathrow and say I'm taking a flight to go to New Jersey to speak about Jesus. 
Because if even if I didn't have a slight fright, I would have it suddenly. I can't get on the plane. If you gave me all the sedatives, I can't get on the plane. Why? Because I haven't done it in my immediate surroundings. Okay. So it's really important that we begin small and then we can extrapolate that and do more for the Lord. But if we're not bold enough to do within our immediate confines, then we have a huge problem. We can't go to the outskirts of the world. Hallelujah. Second commitment is a commitment that must come before all. It is must be prioritized. Otherwise, everything else will take stead. Everything else will take stead. So with this, affirm with me, Lord Jesus, I declare today, I shall put you first. In all things, I shall put you first. Empower me by your spirit to speak your word as you have commanded me to. So help me, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's move to the, the third dude. I think this is the last person we're going to speak about. Then another said to him, I will follow you. Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those that are home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So we have that phrase again, but first permit me. So there is an, there is a, there's an order of prioritizing, isn't it? He said, first, let me say, let me go and say goodbye to everybody at home. Um, and then I'll come following after you. The third cost is it is a commitment that requires self-denial. It is a commitment that requires self-denial. Now, the third, the third scenario here, let, let the word goodbye, it speaks of a sentimental tendency. The word goodbye is to leave, to bid farewell, to bid farewell, sorry, to renounce or to forsake. So typically we tell ourselves, okay, let, let, let me do this, let me take care of this before I follow you. Oh, let me take care of this sentiment a little bit before I follow you, Lord. Oh, let me stay a small, just a little bit, just a day or two more before I, I actually take you seriously. That's, that's the thing we tend to do. Now, I just want us to look a little bit backwards. In the book of Genesis, Genesis 19, verse 26, the wife of Lot. Now, the angels of the Lord came to drive them out of, you can say, death, a death situation, because Sodom and Gomorrah was being destroyed. And the angel of the Lord said, go as fast as you can. And when you're going, do not look backwards. But if you observe very carefully, the wife of Lot, she, she really clinged to the, her desires of Sodom and Gomorrah. So as she was going, she looked backwards, almost in regret, almost in saying, okay, can I, can I go back and just do this one thing, just this one thing before I escape from Sodom and Gomorrah? What she clung to, hindered her from meeting her destination of liberty. She clings so much to her desires, she clings so much to the sentiment of Sodom and Gomorrah, she could not meet, she could not get to her destination of liberty. What are we clinging to today in the world that might, that might be hinder us from running after the things of God? What it is that draws us away from God? This is a self-analysis. I can't analyze it for you, uh, nor can your pastor analyze it for you. It has to be an inward look. It has to be you and God sat down and say, okay, this I must pinpoint this and this and this and this, and Lord, help me. Help me get over it. 
It is, it is a sentiment, the tendency that is within you that you alone know. Jesus said no one after putting his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, it, it's important we understand what a plow is. A plow is a tool that is used to cultivate the land. It's used to turn the soil. And, and by doing so, then planting, seed, seed, seed planting will be made easier. Now, back in the days, a human being with a plow and oxen and horses might plow the land, okay? Now, because they didn't have any direction in which they were going, they had to put almost like an object in front of them. And they plowed and look at the object as they were going. That is the only way the farm man will plow in a straight, straight row in order to turn the soil in a particular way to get a, a, a good, a good structure of his planting. And looking at the object, the other thing he had to do was to keep holding on. If he lost his grip of, of, the, of the plow he was holding at all, then he won't plow in a straight, a straight row at all. So two things were key of a plowman. A, that he continually looked at the object before him so that he had a straight path. If you look beside you or behind you, then you, you, you're never going to get to the end, really. You're going to keep, keep being in the middle there. So he had to keep his eye on the object. The second thing that he had to keep his hand on the plow. He had to hold on. What is, what is the application here? Who, who, do we, who do we look to? The object we're looking to is Jesus Christ, isn't it? Pastor Jess had a sermon quite a few months ago on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. I really, really enjoyed that. Really, really blessed me. She spoke about looking onto Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. So if we don't look to Christ and we're looking around us to things that are around us, then we're never going to get to our destination. It's important that our gaze is fixed on him in order for us to get to the end of our destination. We must also hold on because there were things that will come our way that will distract us. But it's very important we are steadfast in that which we do in the Lord until we meet him in glory. Hallelujah. Reverse back a little bit to the scripture. It says, anyone after putting his hand to the plow, the Lord in the vineyard of the Lord is work. We're not in the house of God to come and dance and feel good. He says the man that puts his hand to the plow. So he expects us to put our hand to work in his house. And if you put your hand to work in his house, then you have to be steadfast. Then you have to be, be looking up to him in order to get through that work that he has put in your hands. We have to put our hands to the work of the Lord. When you don't put your hands to the work of the Lord, typically what happens is that you get bored. When I say bored, I like to explain that a bit further. You become cold because you are just, you're just in it. You're just going with the flow, so to speak. But if you put your hands to what God has and what he has called you to, you are engaged. You are engaged in what he requires of you. And if you engage, you can keep keeping on very easily. It's a little bit like fellowship. And if you don't fellowship with the Lord, you grow cold. There is nothing to stir you up. There's nothing to keep you going. So as Christians, God is telling us here to put our hands to the plow. Every ministry I've stood in, I have, I have purpose. Ask my husband. I have purpose to put my hands to something. 
from the time I gave myself my, my life to the Lord as a born again Christian. In fact, if I don't find anything to do, I will run to the nearest pastor. My first, the first church I entered into, I was, I was shaking in my chair. I didn't know what to do. So I ran to one of the pastors and said, give me something to do. What can I do for you? He said, Michelle, here, go here, go here and go here. So if you don't know what to do, seek the counsel of your pastors in the name of Jesus. Lastly, I just want to lift up a last prayer for the last cost. It is a commitment that requires self-denial. So declare with me, Lord Jesus, I will serve continually in your house. I will work for your kingdom until you come. So help me, God, in the name of Jesus. Very briefly, I just want us to take a moment to ponder on these three costs. So we've run through today that there are three costs that we've identified in following the Lord. To follow really is to, is to go with completely as we've sort of analyzed. And three things could happen. In following, we have to give a life commitment. Number two, in following, we must ensure that Jesus or Christ comes first. We must prioritize him above all. And lastly, it is a commitment that requires self-denial. The seven things that we want to cling to, but if it isn't of God, we've got to let it go. The Caribbeans would say, you've got to let it go. You've got to, you got to let it go. Just, just let it go and, and, and let God be, so to speak. Ask him to help you, to empower you, so you can let go of that, that, that that's clinging to you. What keeps me going personally, and I'll share this with you, is the fact that I said this at the beginning, our life here is temporal. If you can only grasp that concept in your heart, you will move. You will move. It's a, temp it's a temporal location. It's not my, my resident stopping place. It's not my place to stay. I can gain nothing here. And as long as you keep your eye on that, then nothing will stop you from following the Lord. Nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop you because you know your end is greater than your today. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice and say a prayer to the Lord. In all the things that are spoken, is any of them applicable to you? Even if it's not applicable, tell him, Lord, help me to serve you better. Help me to give my entire, my entirety to you in everything that I do. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice and pray. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We pray, Father, that may we have a heart of commitment towards you. May we have a heart that is ready to work for you in name amnakonomosiakade isama kaborontona inkafane esomona inkavande edebosa equip your church amandebo osande kamola pena insanamana with an inner strength with an inner power antemokosondaya to move for you to move on your behalf in all things in all things in all things may we move for you in the name of the lord jesus masidi andaraboka indamakotona siri efolomaka we see you alone amaka nemo so oromankianda we have you in view anemoro sikame konomo sibianfaleme korubasi lamaka de bolosi hemveke na hanso nono yaya nemo sianfanaki ribosa kalemo lo umasiete yemona kaya we look to you father we look to you we look to you we renew every commitment we have with you now in the name of the lord jesus we thank you heavenly father we thank you we bless your mighty 
name. Even by your spirit, equip us. Equip us today. Equip us today. Stare us today. Stare us today. That we'll be committed to you. Committed to you. Even more than we were yesterday. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And all the saints shall say, Amen. Amen.